Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. Hey, what's up, Nate? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure having you. And we're going to go over two topics today. The first is Nintendo Switch Online and the arrival of Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis games to the service with the expansion pack. And recent comments made by a Switch developer regarding the need or lack thereof new switch hardware specifically referring to a next generation successor or even a pro model and before we get into the frightening release that is n64 on nso i have to thank our sponsor for this episode and do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on halloween it's shaving your balls with anything other man than manscaped when it comes to below the waist grooming there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is there to upgrade your grooming experience. Go from a bite-sized candy bar to a king-sized candy bar and join the 4 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code NATETHEHATE. That's one word, NATETHEHATE. And MVG, it is my understanding that you are no longer shaving your balls like a Freddy Krueger film. Is that right? That is, that is correct, Nate, because uh, Manscaped is here to save the day and uh, making sure that um, I am well well groomed down there with the Performance Package 4.0, which you'll find the holy grail of men's grooming items, the Lawnmower 4.0, that will uh, take care of any problem. But if it's a full moon out and the werewolf in your pants is howling, it will definitely take care of your uh, your needs down there. And the uh, advanced skin safe technology with the 4.0, it's the greatest ball trimmer on the planet. And I I think I've mentioned this before, but I want to say it again. It's waterproof as well, so it's great in the shower. No issues whatsoever. And of course, you know, you got to seal the deal with the crop preserver, the ball deodorant and the crop reviver ball toner, which will make sure that your pumpkin stay fresh. And let me tell you, when I say this, Nate, you will believe me, your balls will thank you. Yes, you get 20% off and free shipping with the code NATETHEHATE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code NATETHEHATE at manscaped.com. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> and we can now go into the horrifying, terrifying Nintendo Switch Online N64 and Sega Genesis expansion pack because it has been a horrific week for Nintendo when it comes to their online pass. And I want to open with a bit of good news. And that is that the Sega Genesis emulation on Nintendo Switch Online is absolutely fantastic. Yep. Yeah. It's, it, it, there's it is, no problems with it. it. It's very good. And it, it's it's a good thing to see that um, they did a great job there. Uh, very, very happy to see that. And look, I, I know that a lot of people probably haven't even looked at the Genesis stuff, but um, it is a nice value add, you know, for for uh, what they've offered. And I'm excited about what they're going to bring us as far as that system is concerned. There's there's some still some great games that they can give mm-hmm. us. 
So I'm I'm pretty happy with the Genesis stuff. Yeah, it's, I mean, Sega Genesis, it looks like we will get in the area of 50 Genesis games on the service before all said and done. And I mean, this initial offering was it may not have the most exciting games from the you know the genesis library but what is offered here plays well it looks good whether in handheld or docked play i played some streets of rage 2 online with max or dreamcast guy earlier in the week and we had a nice smooth experience with it and you know it's a lot of fun the online did kind of emphasize one of nintendo's switch online's shortcomings and that is social features Mm -hmm. Where, you know, if you wanted to use your phone, you can, or you can go to Discord. But it's just the idea that there's really no native version for voice chat, which really would have benefited a game like Streets of Rage 2 since, you know, we're beating up enemies and such. It would have been fun just to have a little bit of communication natively. But yeah, Sega Genesis, I would say, is definitely the bright spot of the expansion pack. But that means we have to go into the Dark Shadows of Nintendo Switch Online, and that is unfortunately Nintendo's own Nintendo 64. And though there are some dark areas to this release, there is signs of hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel with Nintendo 64. And I want to start with the positive attributes of Nintendo 64 before we really get into the heavy critique of the service. And I'm going to start with the emulation of some of the games is really well done. And one title that stands out in particular is Star Fox 64. And the emulation of this game may be the best version of Star Fox 64 outside of Star Fox 64 3D for the 3DS because you have full rumble. The game looks well. It plays well. There is no discernible input lag. I would say Star Fox 64, this may be the definitive way to play the N64 original. Yep. Um, I agree. And, you know, I want to be very clear as well that not all the games were made equal on this service. You know, like some of them perform really well. And yes, I agree that Star Fox 64 is probably the best version. um, Well, not probably. It's definitely the best version that they've that's currently on the N64 offering for the NSO. And you're right. It's, um, it's a great version of the game and I'm very, very happy with it. It, it, it runs well. There's no noticeable graphical concerns. There's really minimal input lag, nothing that's even really worth talking about. So very happy with, with Star Fox 64. Um, and yes, the HD rumble, is a really nice feature that that you get. So I, I'm I'm very happy with with how that turned out. And Nate, um, we played a few multiplayer rounds as well. And yes, <laughs> we, we will talk about the multiplayer on, on NSO. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, it was it was fine, you know. And uh, I know you've had your own experiences with multiplayer games, but at the end of the day, it's I think you know Star Fox sixty four is one of the games that that is definitely a highlight for me. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing with the service is you can look through this initial lineup and you can go to games like Mario tennis. And that's another really well done emulated release here. Very good. And I might add that Mario tennis, excuse me, Mario tennis is one of the games that 
I'll say is um, more of a uh, harder to emulate game because there's a lot of things going on in that game that you don't really think about, but like the replays, for example, where the where the uh-huh. the, the the screen kind of um, you know fades away and then it it kind of it, it it zooms away type of thing, and then there's the the scoreboards on on the court itself and the counter which which counts how fast you're serving. All uh-huh. that stuff is is um, doing frame buffer emulation which is something that some emulators have had difficulty doing over the years. Um, and in, in recent times, it's been a lot better. But in general in general terms, emulating those frame buffer effects like what you see in, in Mario Tennis takes quite a bit of processing to get right. So um, I was very surprised and very happy to see that Mario Tennis um, plays really well and it looks good. And just like Star Fox, Nate, there's minimal input lag in that game. So that's that's another game that I feel like is is um, really really good on on the service. So I, I have no no real concerns with that one at all. You see, like with these two games, it really emphasizes how much of a mixed bag that the expansion pack is in terms of N64 offerings. Because two other games that you would expect to be the highlights are actually plagued with issues mm-hmm. and that's Mario 64 yep. and the legend of Zelda Ocarina of time 64 and Ocarina of time has been the one that we've seen on social media really facing such heavy scrutiny. And one of the screenshots that has gone around the most is the screen from the water temple that emphasizes the lack of fog. And this has brought forth a large range of emotions and it's ranged from I'm a casual player. This is something I would not have noticed yep. if it wasn't shown to me side by side to this is purely unacceptable. And I definitely go more towards the latter. This is the what? This is the third or fourth time that Nintendo has emulated Ocarina of Time. And I am going back all the way to the GameCube mm-hmm. when Nintendo gave these Ocarina of Time Master Quest Edition, the collector's edition with new purchases of the GameCube hardware. And we had access to Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. And then Nintendo gave it again on the Wii with a virtual console and the Wii U virtual console. And the Wii U's emulation is notorious for how poor it was. It was dark. It had a lot of, you know, issues. And now here we are on the Switch and Ocarina of Time once again has emulation issues. This is not something I'm I'm outraged about. Like the word outrage, you know, that that's not something that's in my DNA, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just very disappointed with with what we have with with Ocarina of Time because something 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 has gone wrong here. And I don't know where the problem is, and maybe we can we can try to figure out what's happened here, but the underlying concern is the fog that has been implemented in the game is completely broken. So what I mean by that is if you, in the first area of the game, the the forest area where you start the game, mm-hmm. there is kind of fog all over the place. And when I first started playing the game on NSO, 
I immediately knew something was wrong. I was like, what is this? You know, and I thought maybe the contrast was up on my switch, uh, my OLED switch too high, and I was messing around with, you know, the brightness and everything. And I was like, wait, there's, there's something not right about this. And it took me a little bit of time, but I then plugged in my N64, and then I was like, oh, wow, there's not supposed to be any fog in the starting forest at all except in the background where the mountains are. And that's the way it always has been, and that's the way that I remember it. And that's really kind of the root cause of this. And when it comes to the water temple, it seems like the reverse has happened for some reason. Like there is just no fog at all, and the fog is is what blends with the water to give it that kind of misty look about, you know, when you're traveling on water. So they kind of just really messed this up. And and I'm trying to figure out what went wrong here. And I don't really know what the answer is. Like th- there's one part of this which makes me think, well, maybe, you know, whoever was um, QAing this game didn't really know how to, you know, what the source material looked like, you know, to compare it to. And because it looked good enough, maybe that that was that was good enough for them. But I also don't know if that's true because this is Nintendo we're talking about. This is nerd. You know, this is you feel like there must be some quality control here that 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 said, no, this is not implemented properly. You know, you have to fix this. So I'm not really sure what happened here. Um, what do you think? Like, if you were to speculate, do you think this was just a they they kind of missed this? Um, and look, you know, things things get you know get omitted or things uh-huh. break in in lot check, and you know, there's all sorts of permutations that could have happened here. But do you think that this was something that they didn't re- they weren't really aware of until? They saw kind of people on on social media saying, "Well, this this is not right." You know, what, what what do you think kind of happened here? I would imagine Nintendo and specifically Nerd, you know, the emulation team was aware of this. And it's either a case of we don't have time to fix this. Maybe we can do a hot fix after release. You know, a month or two down the line, or it was a case of we are aware of it, and this was our intent, and. I don't want I don't want to believe that is the case here because when we look at Nintendo one thing that they are very careful of is being protective yeah. of their legacy IPs so to come out with a version of Ocarina of Time that maybe it's hyperbole to say but does a disservice it, it to the is. N64 origin it it absolutely does Nate and you know I I have to remind everyone that this is supposedly Zelda's anniversary this year as well right i mean uh-huh. it, it's look it's emulation and and emulation is always going to come with some quirks and some weird and wacky things that happen but this is one of those things where it's it's just so obvious that i just don't even know how this got through um and and when when the the gamecube version and the virtual console versions of these games mm-hmm. run Ocarina of Time better than on the on the Switch, which I might add, you're paying for, right? You're paying for a premium service, and I'm using air quotes, but you are paying 
for N sixty four online. You're paying to play these games. Correct. That that really kind of rubs me the wrong way, and it just makes me feel like, you know, sure, you know, they they had to get this out in October, but I just wish they may maybe spent some more time on this at least at least pull that game from the store and, and, and get it right before you, you ship it. Ooh, Honestly, thanks. I mean, uh, the, the way that it's currently in, and look, mm-hmm. I know that some people that are listening to this are going to say, MVG, you're crazy. It, it, the game is fine. I, I'm enjoying it. And that's that's great. If you're enjoying the game, then I am, right. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy for you. That That's fantastic. But, you know, <laughs> for, for, for those of us that, that, remember the game on the N64 or have played it on uh-huh. the virtual console, you're going to get a subpar experience and you're not going to be satisfied with this at all. And I think ultimately Nintendo has to fix this and, and whether whether they, they do that quickly in a hot fix or maybe we get that, you know, when the next round of games comes out, they'll, they'll add some patches, which I'm hopeful they will, does remain to be seen. But I'm, I'm hopeful they have seen this and they're listening to um, their customers, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll, we'll get a solution to this. So you bring up an important distinction there. And the absence of the fog is something that we veterans of the game will notice. It's something that we can look at and say, something's wrong. Like this isn't, this isn't how my memory remembered this area. Right. And when you go back to look at the original software and side-by-side comparisons is really is really where you notice its absence yep but for newcomers maybe this is the first time they're playing ocarina of time it's still a fantastic game in its foundation and its core and that removal of the fog isn't going to damper their enjoyment with the game mm-hmm. and that's where it's really a case of this is about preservation this is about being able to replay these games as as close to a one-to-one accurate representation of what it was on its native hardware of the n64 and ocarina of time simply falls short of that yeah it is not an accurate emulation of that game it's it's a poor representation of what ocarina of time was it removes some of that atmosphere of what made the game so magical and immersive 25 23 years ago yeah and that that's for a, newcomers it's maybe trivial but i think like as we mentioned this is the legacy of this game and it just feels as though it wasn't done just service you bring up a really good point and, and that's that's the that's the thing that that hits home with me and that is the way the way that it was designed the way it was built the way that the fog originally um, is in that game kind of presents a certain artistic and visual style about that game. And if you kind of change the way that looks, you're kind of messing with the art form in some way. Now, again, I'm not saying that they did this deliberately or, or whatever. It's just it's just not the same. Um, and it really does need to, to be addressed because it's not – the the same representation of of, of the game mm-hmm. that it should be at the end of the day and um yeah i mean I, when you start messing around with with art you know and art assets that's it, it changes the feeling of the game completely mm-hmm. 
And um, I think, you know, that's kind of the key thing for me. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Yeah, and. Like Ocarina of Time is definitely the most egregious example of the collection that has its shortcomings yep. really prevalent and noticeable. I mean, Mario 64 also has some problems specifically with input lag. Mm-hmm. And it was those two games that are really, I would say, are the core issues of the service. But those are the two games that people are really going to. People want to replay Mario 64 because maybe they weren't able to get the 3D All-Star collection or they thought the price of that collection was too high. And Ocarina of Time, there is no other way to play it on the Switch. So this is your only option. And it simply is not the yeah. optimum way to play the game. Not now, close right now. Like as we mentioned with games like Star Fox 64, Mario Tennis, yep. these are the best ways to play those two games. And there's other games on the service as well that the emulation is high quality. One of the games that is really well done is Sin and Punishment. But that, too, has a glaring omission. Mm -hmm. And it comes from the lack of button mapping, which plagues the entire service. And I understand trying to button map the N64 to the switch control pad was no small feat. You have to account for the A and B buttons, plus the C buttons, the Z trigger. There's a lot going on there. And in most cases, Nintendo try their best to assign the Z or the C buttons to the right analog stick. And for some games, it works well. Like Star Fox, I would say it generally works. It's not ideal when you want to perform a somersault, but it's functional. With Sin and Punishment, since the strafing and movement was assigned to the C buttons, that means you now have to go to either the analog stick, which really isn't tuned well for that type of movement, especially in a game like Sin and Punishment. Yeah. But you can use the A and Y button and it works, but your hand's going to feel kind of cramped because the R button is jump. ZR is shoot. Y and A is to strafe and the left analog stick is aiming. It feels very disjointed and a silver lining of Sin and Punishment coming to Nintendo Switch Online for the Switch is if I decide to buy the $50 optional controller for the native N64 controller, I can actually place it in punishment with the controller that it was designed for. And this may not sound like a big deal to people, but this is a game that prior to it coming to the virtual console on the Wii had never released in North America. It never had a Western release. So when I was young, I never got the opportunity to play Sin and Punishment on native N64 hardware. So to be given the opportunity to actually play Sin and Punishment with an N64 controller in modern era, it's kind of cool. It's a silver lining to the service. 
yes, it will cost me an additional $50 to get the controller, but it also is appealing to finally play this long heralded game Mm -hmm. with the controller. It was designed around and, but the game, not even the game, the games, the service as a whole lagging button remapping is unforgivable. Yeah. And look, Sin and Punishment, again, I think emulation-wise, it's it's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really notice anything wrong with it. Certainly nothing, no concerns on the input lag side. Didn't really notice any emulation glitches or any graphical issues. It looked really good. My, You touched on it. My biggest issue was the controls. Um, I had a lot of difficulty with the controls, Nate, to the point where I could could barely play the game because I I know it I know how to play that game with an original controller and the way it should feel and I was I was kind kind of fighting with the controllers quite a lot to get it get it down and look I'm sure with some muscle memory and some repetition I could figure it out but mm-hmm. I it just didn't feel natural to me um unfortunately but definitely a game that that I'm very happy that is on the service and um you know something that I I, I would like to go back and and play some more for sure Another area that Nintendo has omitted attention from with the N64 release is the control pack. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that unless you grew up during that generation, you likely have no knowledge of. And the control pack was means of saving game data. Yeah. And it's specifically related to the games in this collection. It would be tied to Mario Kart 64, where you would save ghost data from time trials and and Koei's win back where you would save progress. Now, the reason these games don't have controller pack functionality is that Nintendo opted to give them the rumble pack feature. Yep. And it this is how ancient this hardware is. You for, had one or the other, right? Yeah, you had one <laughs> or the other inserted into the N64 controller. You either had rumble or you chose to save. You didn't have both. And now look at how many luxuries modern gaming has. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in the case of like Winback, I kind of understand the omission there and why they said, let's prioritize Rumble over the controller pack because we do have save states. Yep. So you can just suspend the game, create a save state, and pick up the game where you left off. With Mario Kart 64, it is odd to go to the time trials and not be able to save them. But at the same time, to play devil's advocate, how many people would really be using that feature? Right. I, I agree, Nate. I'm, look, I know that there were some people that were unhappy about this. Um, and look, yes, it's an omission, right? Like um, mm-hmm. it, it's something that maybe Nintendo should look at adding. Um, but I didn't really think this was a big deal. But I know that, you know, Mario Kart uh, – time trials and, and, and ghost data and stuff like that is kind of, you know, some people really like that stuff, especially if you're trying to get some really good, good times and, and everything. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think what we're, what we're slowly unraveling here is there's not one specific, specific thing wrong with this service. There's just a bunch Correct. of little things and yes. all the little things really start to add up. And, yep. and, you know, it gets to a point where you're like, is this really worth the money? You know, is this really a, a product that is a premium product? Is is this 
is this better than the virtual console? And I think, you know, with everything that we've said so far, and there's more, you, you know, you have to really look at this and say, this isn't really worth the money right now. Like the virtual console does this stuff a lot better in general, in general. Like like you said, Star Fox 64 is probably the best version of the game that you can play. Um, totally mm-hmm. agree with that. But Otherwise, I mean, there's just kind of these underlying niggly things that um, we're hopeful will get addressed. But right now, it's very hard to, you know, for me to to tell anyone that this is something that you should, you know, invest your money into. You see, would you advise an individual who maybe has a fondness for Sega Genesis to get the expansion pack um, because that's, the negativity is really focused primarily on Nintendo 64. Yeah, that, that's a great question. I mean, the, the, the difficulty with Genesis is there is that Genesis collection that you can just buy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think you can still get. And that has a lot of games on there. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of overlap on there anyway. Um, so it's hard to kind of say, you know, get the NSO for the Genesis over something like that. But Look, if you were someone that, let, let's say that you you liked Animal Crossing and you liked the Genesis, I'd say, yeah, go for it, right? I mean, you, you're definitely going to get some really good value there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, ultimately, if you were someone that really liked the Genesis, I, I could see it being, um, you know, good value for you. you you'll, you'll definitely get many, many hours of enjoyment. Yes. And now... I want to touch on the online because the online is definitely a mixed bag and unfortunately there's going to be no simple solution to the online service being offered here with the n64 games because it is a peer-to-peer network which means there is no dedicated server we're connecting to it's going to be dependent on the individual with the worst connection in your party and that means sometimes you might have a flawless online interaction and other times it may be lag heavy. And as you mentioned, and we mentioned in previous episodes, this is a service we are paying for. This is something that you expect to have quality online delivery. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're still using a peer-to-peer network with these games is definitely disappointing. It's not unexpected. We knew this going into it, what type of net code we were going to get with these N64 games, because it's identical to what we have from the NES and Super NES games. And we did do some testing the night that it launched, and we definitely had a mixed bag. We had suffered lag in Mario Kart 64. Mm -hmm. We then had a smooth, lag-free session of Mario Kart 64 as well. And it's just another one of those snowflakes that is piling on the snowball that one of your selling points to the service is online N64 games. So online Mario 64, online Star Fox 64, online F-Zero X when it comes to the service. These are things people are excited and they want to play. But then all of a sudden you go to play it and it's lag heavy. That's definitely a knock. And unfortunately, there really is no simple solution for Nintendo here. Right. Yeah. And yes, look, we talked about my my concerns and criticisms with Nintendo's kind of refusal to upgrade their infrastructure. And unfortunately, like you said, this is 
the best we're going to get right now, which at the end of the day, Nate, is really not good enough. You know, um, it's 2021. You know, Nintendo has over 20 million NSO subscriptions. They, a lot of those, well, no, I, look, I don't know what the numbers are, but a, a percentage of those 20 millions <laughs> upgraded to the premium service. Mm-hmm. There's probably some new customers that have been onboarded onto the new service as well because they like N64, they like Animal Crossing, or they mm-hmm. like the Genesis. So they probably had an influx of, of new people sign up as well. There is just no way that we should be P2Ping network games in this fashion. There needs to be some dedicated service set up for this stuff to, to handle this. And I think that's really disappointing, you know, if you're going to offer these games as a service, as a premium service and and advertise that you can play four-player Mario Kart games or four-player Mario Tennis games or Star Fox 64, um, mm-hmm. F-Zero is coming out, you know, in um, as an update. These games, you know, if you're going to advertise that stuff, you really need the hardware and the infrastructure to back it up. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's very easy to say. Look, you don't have a good good connection, or you you know you're on Wi-Fi, so it's gonna it's gonna you're gonna have slowdowns. But I mean, yeah, when we were trying this out, we I mean, I think all of us have really good internet connections, at least you know um, more than acceptable. And we were just getting these weird kind of random audio dropouts and 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 things mm-hmm. like that and for no real good reason um now yes there were occasions where we got pretty much a flawless service which is great but that really should be happening every single time you know if you log into yes. if you log into an online match of of an fps most of them have dedicated servers and most of them have really good good net code you know and so there's no mm-hmm. reason why we can't have that in in this scenario. There, there are services out there that allow you to play retro games um, online with your friends, and they have great great netcode. And this this is something Nintendo really should have in this service. And I think mm-hmm. you know we kind of just when when the Super NES and the NES NSO came out. Um, first of all, those games are a lot smaller and a lot simpler, but you know, we kind of just said, ah, it's not a big deal. They're just these throwaway games. This is this is a little more than that now. Now, look, are we going to ever see this with the Switch? I don't think we will, but it's just another one of those things, like you said, Nate, that that is piled onto the snowball of, of things that's, that's kind of wrong with <laughs> what we've seen so far with the N64. It, it's really just very disappointing to me. Yeah, that's the thing with Nintendo 64 and NSO is that there's potential here because we've seen it like 80% of the N64 games on the service have good emulation. There's minor things they can change, like allowing button remapping as just one example. And we know there are some really good games still to come with Majora's Mask, F-Zero, Banjo-Kazooie. Pokemon Snap, and hopefully the emulation of those games represents, you know, or seeks out a way 
to be an accurate representation of the N64 games with some modern upscaling and such to make them look cleaner. But it's just now in the back of your mind, when Majora's Mask comes to market, everyone knows how dark that game is, how much fog is used to create the atmosphere, especially in the opening minutes Mm -hmm. when you are in the woods with Skull Kid. If that is removed, it's really going to damper the immersion that that game delivered at the time. And that's something that cannot happen. But because Ocarina of Time has this problem, in the back of your mind, you have to be sitting there saying, oh, no, what is the state of Majora's Mask when it comes to the service? And that's for any game coming to the service moving forward. And that isn't a good thing for Nintendo Mm -hmm. because word of mouth for the service right now is negative. So if they were hoping to secure more subscribers this holiday for individuals who are getting a Switch for a Christmas gift this now is in jeopardy yeah and that's not what they want and it's unfortunate because as we mentioned there are good things here there are games with quality emulation there is potential for this service to really deliver a quality n64 experience it just feels that there are it's a death by a thousand cuts Mm -hmm. yes and that's a great way to to put it and nintendo has to come forth and you know yeah stitch some of these problems and they can there is the possibility that they can patch these games and hopefully they do because as mentioned if they can salvage what is there this is built on a good foundation it's just it has some cracks and they can be filled and i do have hope that nintendo comes forth and addresses them online will never change that's a sad, unfortunate reality of just the P2P network. But the emulation and the quality game, it can be salvaged. And I've seen individuals on social media all say, you know, I'm playing Ocarina of Time. The fog issue or maybe the input lag isn't severe enough to damper my enjoyment. Mario Kart 64 is still a lot of fun. I'm enjoying going through the time trials or playing through the single player on my own or even doing local multi you know co-op with friends the core experience is near yeah accurate of what it was 25 23 years ago some of these games it's just it's not at the level that we expect from a company like nintendo on a premium service that we're paying for right and that's really that's why it's disappointing is because we expect better from a company like Nintendo, especially when it comes to their legacy software. They always go out of their way to be protective of these IPs and these games. And to see them come forth with such a shoddy effort is so... It's not Nintendo. It feels uncharacteristic of Nintendo. And it almost feels, and I hate to go this direction, it feels as though NSO with N64 is preying on nostalgia. Mm -hmm. They were preying on our love and our memories of these games for us to come to the service and willingly hand over $30 additional a year to play these games with the promise of online and, you know, slightly improved visuals. And in the end, we got a product that just isn't up to par. They can hit par if they're willing to batten down the hatches and try. Yeah. And with the next batch of games, if we see a higher quality release, like let's use Majora's Mask as an example, if the fog is there in full, 
maybe Ocarina of the Time was just a case of rushing to meet release. And it's something that they were aware of. They just didn't have time to fix. But Majora's Mask was something that they knew of the problem. They addressed it. And maybe they can patch Ocarina of Time at a later date. I hold hope for this service. I'm not completely down on it. But it's definitely a case of older individuals or speedrunners, you know, those type of people. This service isn't for you. But if you really just want to enjoy these N64 games and have fun with what they do offer, the service is probably enough to satisfy your needs. Yeah, I mean, very, very, very well said. And I, you know, I agree with pretty much everything that that you mentioned there. Um, the only other thing I want to add is, yes, there are more games coming to the service, and mm-hmm. I believe data miners have found that there's the potential for up to thirty eight games, or there's at least thirty eight slots for yes. additional games to come. So mm-hmm. my only concern, Nate, is if they don't decide to fix anything, it's only going to amplify the issues of the current system that we're seeing. Because, yes, Majora's Mask is a game that um, uses fog for to set the tone of a lot mm-hmm. of that game. F-Zero runs at 60 FPS. It's It's... One of the yes. only N64 games that runs at 60 FPS. There are, there are a few others that run at 60, but it, it's a lock 60 FPS game. So both of those games will suffer the in in, in the current form of the emulator that, that Nintendo has given us. So I definitely want to see Nintendo um iterate and and update this service when they bring out new games that there are bug fixes and patches that that are applied mm-hmm. um otherwise it's just going to be this service that has 38 games on there that is pretty okay but you're better off just you know using a homebrew emulator real hardware or the virtual console and Look, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I want this service to be really, really good. I want I don't want to make videos talking about how 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 the service sucks. <laughs> Trust me. I, I'm not I don't want to be negative. I, I love the N64 right. and it's one of my favorite systems. I people think I'm kidding, but I think it's a better system than the GameCube. I grew up <laughs> playing the N64. It's it's one of those systems that is very close to my heart. So I I don't want Nintendo to screw this up and I want them to fix these these problems. So hopefully mm-hmm. with the next round of games, um, they have to fix this. And in some ways, they're kind of on the hook to do so because like I said, F-Zero will right. not be kind to the emulation if if they just kind of slap F-Zero on this on the service and not mm-hmm. do anything to the emulator. Majora's Mask will be the same. Um, it's going to be broken because of the fog in that game as well. So, and there's just two examples. There's, there's probably others that, that they're looking at right now. So hopefully, you know, they, they have listened to the outcries, the feedback, the thoughts and concerns of people and um, are, are addressing it as we speak. Absolutely. And that's the thing is that the service, the service has an excellence aura to it, but it is, 
for lack of a better word, it's fogged yeah. <laughs> by, it is. by, it is. by some problems. Yeah. And a lot of these flaws that we mentioned, the casual person may not mind them as we mentioned, but yep. it's just the fact that they're there is unacceptable because they shouldn't be. Nintendo can emulate the games better. And that's really where the dis- disappointment comes from. It's not even like the overall quality of the service itself. It's just these few cases of these excellent games suffering from problems that shouldn't be in these emulators to begin with. And Nintendo, they are so close to really releasing quality versions of all these games. And we know they can do it. We've seen it with Star Fox 64. And if they can bring that level of quality for the future releases, then that discussion and debate about whether or not it's worth that subscription upgrade fee starts to dwindle because you can say these are quality releases. These are fantastic ways to play the games. It is worth that extra $30 a year. And it's just in this state at the launch week, the service is, it really depends on what you want from it. Mm -hmm. If you want one-to-one accurate emulation that represents N64, it is not worth $30 a year. If you just want to replay these N64 games in a very nostalgic manner and you're not looking for that perfect accuracy it may be worth the 30 dollars to you because as mentioned genesis is excellent and the n64 games are at a satisfactory level but they should be at an a plus because many of them are a efforts but those failing efforts with like ocarina of time and and mario 64 that those are holding back the service and just create that fog of uncertainty moving forward and like you, I want the service to do well because there is potential here. And I hope Nintendo is listening to the feedback and they are going back and looking at the emulator and they're going through the QA process and saying, where did we fall short? Can this be fixed? Because if the fog is just a glitch or you know a problem in the code that they use with the emulator, hopefully they can fix that in, you know, in the immediate future. And we can be talking about how much Nintendo actually listened to fans and they made the service better to make it worth that asking price. But that remains to be seen and time will tell whether or not Nintendo moves in that direction. Do you think they'll fix it? Oh, man. <laughs> I The hopeful Nate says yes. What the realistic you, what Nate says... Um, I mean, they could just easily just leave it, right? You know, That's my fear, is that do they have reason to fix it? I mean, I, I totally acknowledge that I'm probably like the 2% that's not happy about this, <laughs> you know? But you see, I mean, and that's kind of the key thing is that I understand some people say, well, you know, you're boomers yelling at clouds about something. But the feedback we have given is the type of critical feedback that a company like Nintendo wants to hear. Yeah. When they just see praise and people willing to forgive such problems is why you don't see progress made. Nintendo does listen to social media. They go to forums, they go to YouTube, and they listen to critical feedback so they can go back to and say, are these really big problems? And they look at it and say, you know what? Looking at this, this is a pretty big problem. Can we fix it? Oh, we can't fix it? Okay, that's unfortunate. Oh, we can fix it? Let's do it. And that's why it is always vital to give critical, grounded rational feedback you don't go to twitter and shout abuse and hyperbolic you know analogies and comparisons that have no base in reality when you offer valid feedback change can happen in this industry 
And I know a lot of people may not realize it, but when reviews come out from publications, publishers and developers do read the reviews for the feedback so they can go, so they can make future patches. Oh, absolutely. And that's why, that's why you do this type of stuff. And I know there'll be people saying, well, why did you buy the expansion pack? If you had concerns that the emulation wasn't going to be good or that the online wasn't going to be up to standard, because by buying this, we got firsthand knowledge of how the emulation is, that the online is not up to par. Mm -hmm. And we can offer this critique so the companies can change it. And we can inform those who may be on the fence or who are uncertain if they want to upgrade their subscription to the expansion pack. We can now inform them that maybe it's best to wait if they want to do speed runs or if online is a big factor in them upgrading their service. And if you just want to enjoy N64 games on your Nintendo Switch, that the service is probably more than satisfactory to your needs and you should upgrade in the immediate future. Or maybe you enjoy just Genesis games and then by all means upgrade because the Genesis games are outstanding. That's why you subscribe so you can give feedback and inform individuals whether or not they should purchase a product. Agree. I mean, I think they will fix this. Um, th- I have this like vision in my head, Nate, that like <laughs> um, that Miyamoto saw the NSO Zelda and he's like, no, 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 no. We, we got to fix this, this immediately. Is, this is not what I mean. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> if Miyamoto saw this, he would be mortified and um, he would be requesting that it gets addressed immediately. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that this will get a patch. Yeah. We'll Miyamoto's walking in to the funeral parlor, like Don Corleone looking at Sonny <laughs> saying, look what they've done to my boy. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> um, so I think, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's getting fixed as we speak. I'm, I'm hopeful at least that that's what's going to happen. I am right there with you because I, I want the service to do well because there are a lot of N64 games that I would love to replay on the Switch and include some patches like button mapping. Yeah. And, you know, just just those minor types of changes go a long way. Quality of life enhancements really do change the overall impact that it has on the consumer. So I hope Nintendo is listening to that type of feedback and is able to implement a patch in Let's hope before the end of the year, because that can go a long way in word of mouth to really recommending the service to new Switch customers that are going to get a Switch this holiday. So Nintendo, if you're listening, you know what to do. Last question question on this real quick. So do you think think there'll be a patch just to fix this stuff, or do you think the patch will come when they drop the new games? Ooh. Ooh. If if they can get the patch out, I believe in a timely manner, I think they'll do it as soon as possible. If it is something that they really need to commit time and resources to, and let's say the next batch of games is coming out in January, yeah. I would probably just wait those three months. But that that kind of brings up another flaw of the system. But it's Nintendo Switch Online as a whole. It's just the lack of a roadmap. Right. If we just had a general idea of when the next you know, round of games are coming to the service, it would really go a long way in confidence of when the service is going to deliver on its promises of what's to come. This idea of just never knowing when, when is Banjo-Kazooie and Majora's Mask coming to the service? We know it's going to, but when, 
is a really unfortunate means of conducting business and relaying information to the consumer. And I know that's Nintendo's way and that's not going to change. But if I were to patch a game like Ocarina of Time, if I could do it in the immediate, I would absolutely do it. But if it is something that they really need to work on, then I would drop it with Majora's Mask. But I would highlight the patch and the changes yep. in like a Twitter drop. So mm-hmm. not, not stability improvements, right? Not stability. Yeah. <laughs> Fog improvements. <laughs> now we'll get into the second topic of this episode, and it comes from Saber Interactive. Now, this name may ring a bell as they were behind Switch ports that include The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt and the recently released Crisis Remastered Trilogy. And this time they were talking about the need for an upgraded Switch. And their answer was, you know, it was actually quite surprising to me, but in a way also not that surprising. So when asked if there is anything they would like to see from an upgraded Switch, the employee from Saber Interactive, let me grab their name really quick. Dmitry Gringorenko stated that The obvious answer would be overall better hardware with less build and patch size limitations, but continue to say, but I don't think the Switch needs a more powerful version that badly. Saber and many other talented studios have already proven that there is no such thing as an impossible port. Nintendo consoles were never about hardware. They were always about something that boosts your gameplay experience and I can't wait to see what they come up with next. Now, that is a powerful statement because the Switch, in my opinion, is showing its age. And this is purely from a consumer point of view. And even some of the titles that they use in their own catalog, the Crisis Trilogy, Witcher, They are quality ports. Like The Witcher is an admirable effort. The Crisis ports are very well done. But we have to look at what those games were. The Crisis trilogy, especially Crisis 2 and 3 in this case, are last-gen games. These were PS3 and 360 games. The Witcher 3 is a current-generation game, meaning PS4 and Xbox One. And the Switch ports... For all intents and purposes, it's quite impressive with what they were able to get out of the Switch tablet in terms of resolution, frame rate, texture detail. But you will also notice that there are many Switch ports of current gen games like Apex Legends, the Outer Worlds, that aren't aren't exactly impressive. Mm -hmm. They fall short of the standard that you would set for game detail and performance on current generation hardware. So to come up with a kind of a statement that says, I don't believe the Switch needs more powerful version that badly is interesting to me because the PS4 Xbox One generation is coming to an end. Developers are moving towards the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series line of consoles, which are substantially more powerful than hardware that the Switch 
already struggled to get ports from. So if anything, shouldn't it be the opposite that the Switch is in need of an upgrade? Yeah, I I, I agree. Like my, my thoughts on this is that I don't I don't disagree with what uh, Dmitry uh, Grigorenko was saying. I think he he has a valid viewpoint, but one thing that I want to want to say is that Saber Interactive um, is owned by Embracer, and look, Embracer is a very very resource um, rich company. They have a lot of money, and you know, different studios will have different experiences with the Switch, and. We already know that Saber has delivered The Witcher. They've already gone through, I'll say, the impossible port pro- process. So they they kind of came out of that with some really good experience and tech around how to make games perform well on the Switch, on the Switch hardware. And I think, you know, it's easy to say that nothing is impossible when you know, you have a parent company that is literally throwing millions of dollars, you know, at your studio to, to, to for you to make games. You know, any any type of hurdle that you have can be overcome because you've got, you know, enough money and resources at your disposal to make it happen. Most studios don't work that way. You know, a lot of studios have a set budget to get things done. And, you know, it's... It's very, very difficult to, you know, to suggest that, um, you know, we need to spend another 12 months after we've, we've shipped mainline versions of a game to focus on optimizing a Switch version that's going to come out later, which may have already missed the boat sales-wise, right? So all those things kind of factor into this. And the other thing I, I will say is, again, um, this person is a lead designer as at least that's what it says here, right? So I'm I'm definitely not discounting what he's saying, but he may not be the right person to ask as well. You know, ask one of the developers that actually is kind of programming the hardware. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Mm-hmm. How do they feel about this? You may get a different response. Um, so correct. I do think. Look, I don't discount what he's saying. Um, you know, the challenge of of an impossible port is quite exciting. And I think something that gives the Switch its charm is what is actually doable on the system, what, what can actually run on it. And we've seen some really great things. But the reality is, as time goes by, you know, we're talking about a system that's that's you know in its fifth year. We're talking about a Tegra X1 chip that's been around for a long time. We're talking about an architecture that is going to struggle, and it will. I don't want to say that he's wrong, but I also kind of I'm saying he's wrong. Like I think I think <laughs> I, I think the Switch needs better hardware. You know, we're, there's there's more examples of 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 failure than victory, if that makes sense. And right. It goes and back to the cloud argument, and and we've seen some correct. we've seen some some ports come to the switch that that didn't run very well. You know, mm-hmm. and, I mean, I mean, see, I'm worried about Grand Theft Auto. I'm not going to lie. I think I think Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. could be something that may not run as well as people are thinking that it will. 
but we'll, that remains to be seen, of course. See, that's the thing with the quote of like, as they say, you know, there's no such thing as an impossible port. You're right. There is no such thing as an impossible port. It's just going to be a compromised one. Mm-hmm. And how compromised is the question? Because we have seen games come over that probably shouldn't have, like Ark. That's, I mean, it's not a fantastic game to begin with, but Ark on Switch is an embarrassment. Yeah, It has a resolution that dips below a 240p, and that, that's just unacceptable. That should never come to release. And this problem isn't exclusive to third parties. We can look at Nintendo's own output. Like, yes, this was a contract studio, but Nintendo published this game, and the game I'm talking about is Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. The game's frame rate is abysmal. Yep. Its frame rate is so poor that it has actually put off people from playing the game. And this is a game designed exclusively for the Switch hardware. And when you're designing games ex- exclusively for the Switch, typically you get the best performance you can get out of that system. So when even with Xenoblade Chronicles 2, it's very apparent that Monolith's engine is not playing well with the Switch hardware. This is a, That's another game in docked mode that is going around 360p. If anything, that engine and that game, it isn't saying you need to optimize me more. It's saying I need more hardware. I need more powerful hardware. I need more you know, RAM. I need a better CPU. I need better hardware. And these are from Nintendo's own teams. Mm-hmm. Nintendo's first party output in 2020 and even 2021 has really been showing that this hardware is aging. And as you brought up with Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, we don't know what the Switch version is going to look like, but the fact that it is Unreal Engine is definitely cause for concern. Not, you know, not doom, press the panic button concern, but the reliability of Unreal ports to the Switch platform range from fantastic, like Dragon Ball Fighters, yes. or exclusive releases like octopath traveler but when it comes to those ports we see games like rhyme it ran rough Mm -hmm. on the switch within that first year of release and other games come over where the resolution is far lower than native you know 720p in docked mode sometimes a lot of these games are at four you know 540p if not lower at some point it's it's the hardware. It is whether it's the bottlenecks or just the limitations of the hardware. It's impressive with what you're able to produce given the limitations of the hardware. But as we're moving into this new generation, which is more complex and more demanding games, Nintendo needs better hardware. And I understand like Saber has produced some quality ports, as mentioned, The Witcher 3 and Crisis 2 and 3. But as mentioned, Crisis 2 and 3 are last-gen games. So you're not in, if you had to downport the PS4 version to the Switch, the quality may not be as high as it is. It's that you took assets from last generation to build upon, and the Switch is more powerful than a PS3 and an Xbox 360, so it should outperform those versions with these games. But like The Witcher 3, as mentioned, it is an admirable effort. But it's not exactly the most 
optimal way to play The Witcher 3. It's low resolution. And it was impressive with what they were able to get out of the hardware. No one will ever discount that. A game like The Witcher 3 shouldn't have even been possible on the Switch is kind of the general consensus from people. And the fact that they did get what they got out of it is, you know, simply miraculous. But we don't know the budget that was True. put into it, you know. True. Uh, any look, the impossible port. Yes, anything is possible. You, you can, you can, you can bring anything to the Switch if you have, if you want to spend the money and you have the resources, you can get it done. And you know, we don't know how much money was invested into that game. I feel like mm-hmm. there was a lot of money thrown into that game, and Nintendo helped them out as well. I mean, we know that that they were involved as well, so. I think that's kind of the the outlier almost, the exception rather than the rule, you know? Correct. I mean, and I think that's where I kind of take, when I read the statement, there are elements that have, you know, that's very true, especially like the patch, si- the patch size limitations. That is something Nintendo needs to address for developers. But yeah. the idea that the Switch is performing or doesn't need better hardware it's just, it's just an odd statement to me because if you go to any developer and I understand you go to a, a developer at any given time and say, would you like better hardware to work with? And the answer is always going to be yes. Mm-hmm. Developer is always looking for better, newer technology to work with. But it's just the idea that we have Switch exclusives from Nintendo's own studios that like Xenoblade, that's just not hitting native resolution. That really screams to me. We need better hardware. Well, even and, even um, Link's Awakening was um, yeah had the stutters was quite choppy. You know, um, I mean, there's a lot of examples of first party games that that don't perform um, as well as maybe what we had thought. You know, and even even when um, the uh, Legend of Zelda um, Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild came out, that that had a lot of issues at the start. I mean, a lot of them have been addressed now, but that's the, that's the point. You know, it's you're going to be spending a lot of time optimizing for the Switch. I think maybe I've mentioned this on a previous episode when we were working on Quake with Night Dive, the Switch mm-hmm. version needed additional time to get running at 60 FPS. I mean, I think... Anyone that's the developer that's listening to this will know what I'm talking about. It's it's not something that you can just bring over and it's going to run well. And look, no port should just be a copy and paste. I'm not suggesting that that it is, but there's also a point where it's like, are we spending too much time on this game now? You know, are we right. eating through our budget? And a lot of studios are probably thinking the same thing, that if we had better hardware, we wouldn't be spending as much time trying to optimize these games to run um, at, at a level that we're looking for. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think you're right, Nate. I mean, I think every, every developer, every studio wants better hardware and um, I don't really see any reason why we should, we should hold that back from anyone. I think, I think you know, it, it's, it's the right thing to do going forward. Yeah, and I mean that's the big takeaway for me is, and maybe it's a statement where it's just kind of like, we Saber Interactive is porting over World War Z to the Switch, 
So obviously you want to say, oh, you know, you, we don't need more powerful hardware. Look at what we produced. It could just be a PR statement to really hype up their upcoming release. And as you mentioned, you know, the dev, the dev statement is from a lead designer. Yeah. If you were to talk to, you know, engineers mm-hmm. and some of the other developers there, they may have a different opinion. But when you just look at overall switch output of current generation ports from PS4 and Xbox One, I would say it's quite clear yeah. that, yeah, the switch was able to do amazing things. But it's been in a constant battle throughout this generation, despite the platform's success, to get certain ports to the platform. And it's not because a publisher or developer is you know, incompetent or that the publisher was cheap and didn't want to commit the resources. It's sometimes the time and the commitment just simply isn't viable to bring a game to the platform. And one of the more recent examples that we could use is Kingdom Hearts three and even one and two one and two obviously could run natively on the hardware without you know probably any problem kingdom hearts three like i'm sorry to say is an impossible port yes you it's an impossible port in the sense of could you bring it to the platform yes but the concessions necessary to make it happen would make kingdom hearts three a game that no longer looks runs or feels like kingdom hearts three mm-hmm yeah, it, it would require a significant overhaul across the mm-hmm. board. Um, everything from textures would need to get down resed, audio would need to get down sampled. Um, I mean, you, you, first thing you do you need to do is figure out how to get the game running uh, within the confines of the storage space that you have, um, mm-hmm. and then it's really a matter of you know now it's going to run like you know an absolute potato. So how do we get this thing running at a good level of performance framework rate wise? So every single shader, every single draw call needs to be identified, scrutinized, optimized. I mean, this is, this is needle in the haystack type stuff, right? These Mm -hmm. games have literally tens of millions of lines of code behind them. So all of a sudden, it does sound impossible, doesn't it? I mean, who, who wants to who wants to work on that? You know, like that that is that that in itself is probably a two to three year project. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you know people want ask you know or wonder why Square didn't bring Kingdom Hearts to the Switch, and it's for that reason. It's it's because you're right, Nate. It's one and two can come to the Switch. I don't see any reason why they couldn't, but they don't want to invest the money. Um, in doing right. so, it's a risk. It's it's a risk for anyone. Yeah. Um, not let alone mm-hmm. Square Enix. You know, to to look at that. And that's the thing. There's a lot of pros and cons to weigh here. And like Dying Light is a recent port to the Switch that is very impressive with what they were able to produce. They made concessions in certain areas to make the game run and look good. But sometimes that's not a viable option for every publisher and developer out there, depending on the game, and. One way around making such concessions is to have better hardware. Right. And it's really on Nintendo, and it's always been on Nintendo because they've never competed at a pure power versus power standpoint since the N64, is you have to design hardware that plays friendly with modern engines and other architectures. And with the Switch, they have definitely taken a step in the right direction. And they're definitely on 
proper footing moving forward to get more and more ports. But I always see people beg for a port of this game or why didn't this company bring it to the Switch day and date? And the reason is always the same. The Switch either cannot handle it or as you've been discussing, the port will take more time because Mm -hmm. it's not that simple. And a discussion I always have with friends who are developers who are working with the Switch, they always iterate one key thing. If you want to make a game for Switch that maybe is multi-platform, you would like if you have the benefit, you want to make the Switch the lead platform because it is easier yep. to go from Switch to the other platform than it is to go from those, you know, PlayStation or Xbox and then come to Switch. The Switch shines best when you're making the game specifically tailored for that hardware. It is very difficult to take the code from PlayStation or Xbox and bring it over to Switch. That's and that's why you see such a mixed bag of results. Yeah, that is 100% accurate. If I mean, I would probably relax that a little bit um, and say, as long as the Switch is in your, um, is in within scope of, of the project from the beginning. So it's okay to have, you know, Xbox and PlayStation versions, but if, if if the switch is is in the conversation, um, it's in the project plan at the beginning, along with the other versions, then you're you're going to be in good shape. But if it's if if it's a case of, hey, we got the PC version and now we got the Xbox and PlayStation version on, and by the way, now you know halfway through the project, we got to get the Switch version up and running. That's that's a red flag. You know that that's a well. You know we we probably need quite a bit of time to optimize this but it if the switch is considered and it's thought about and you're thinking about the switch early on in the project then generally speaking you'll be in pretty good shape now since i mean you have worked with the switch you've worked with playstation and xbox Mm -hmm. so like in your opinion how long do you think the switch in its current form is really viable on the market knowing playstation 5 and xbox series x are going to become the base level for game development in the next couple of years oh man that that is a really good question um i would probably say nate and this is this is um just a guess (laughs) but i would say no more than two more years really you're willing to give it two more years no more than two more years so Definitely another twelve months, right? Because I mean, we've got we've got right. games coming out, but uh-huh. I think there's probably going to be another year after that. But look, um, it could be eighteen months, honestly. But I don't think so, it's going to be anything more than two years. So, kind of a time window that would likely mirror the life cycle of the PlayStation 4 and Xbox series or the Xbox one yeah. receiving support from third-party publishers. I think so. I mean, look, Breath of the Wild's coming, Splatoon mm-hmm. 3's coming, Arceus is coming. There's going to be a lot more third-party games that we'll see on the Switch. So I think definitely the next 12 months is pretty much um, in the books and I think there'll probably be a little more, there'll be an overlap of, of another year after that um, to kind of round things out. But look, we'll, we'll be, I mean, I, I would expect an announcement for new hardware, you know, maybe at the end of next year or towards the end of next year. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll definitely see something um, get announced here because 
I can't see anything beyond two years, you know, for me. I, I mean, right. you know, if if we're talking about this a year from now, Nate, um, I'd be really questioning what Nintendo's long-term plans are for the Switch because there's going to be a lot more games that are probably going to hit the cloud service, you know, if, if, um, right. if nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I've also kind of talked about in, in well, we've talked about it on this show and, and on, on my own videos, but yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think any more than two years. What, what do you think? I mean, do you think it's less than that or what, what do you, where's your head on that one? I mean, for the switch in its current form, I mean, I could definitely see some overlap because we do see it with Nintendo platforms where they release new hardware, but the previous generation still gets a few, you know, releases here and there. And, you know, with backwards compatibility and future proofing systems and such, you could still bring titles like Breath of the Wild 2 to a to new Switch hardware and still have it on the current Switch. And obviously the new Switch hardware would perform better, have more enhanced features because we've seen it with PlayStation and Xbox now for two generations. So I could definitely, you know, see something like that. But the Switch in its current form, I would definitely say it has to, it will likely begin to be phased out by the middle of 2023. And a large factor of that is going to be that third parties are going to be targeting PlayStation 5 and Series X. Yeah. And once they start to target that hardware for their releases, it's going to make cross-gen ports all the more challenging. And as we've been discussing, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One ports already presented numerous challenges to bring to the Switch. PlayStation 5 games, it's going to, that's going to be a truly impossible port, regardless of the concessions you want to make. Because, yes, those platforms target 4K, but we can look at a game like Returnal on the PlayStation 5. That was a 1080p game. So if you do have third-party games that are targeting 1080p on those platforms, you could never make enough concessions to bring it to the Switch unless you're going to run it at you know 120p and two frames a second. So as those developers start moving on to new hardware, Nintendo has to provide developers with the new dev kits for more powerful hardware if they want to have meaningful third-party support. And you need to make that happen sooner rather than later because if you wait too long the damage is going to be done to your brand and people are going to move on to those other platforms and you can't risk that the switch was a well-conceived product thanks largely to nvidia's engineers and providing you know the necessary toolkits to make ports possible and moving into the futures is no reason to have doubts that nvidia would fail on that front so I'd give them that they have to have brand new hardware by early 2023 if they want to remain competitive moving forward. Yeah, I, I think I think you're probably right. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm wondering. I know I, I mentioned it before, but Grand Theft mm-hmm. Auto for me is it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be a yes. a very interesting release, I mean, and uh, it it could it could it could be really good. <laughs> Or it, it could, could be, be really, really, um, really bad. And I mean, we'll, we'll see. The, gl- the glimmer of hope with that version, I would say, is they are developing mobile versions. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. You know, the Switch version won't be too bad. I mean, it's definitely not going to be as good as 
right playstation 4 ps5 xbox series xbox one version of the game but it has to be a quality release because i mean this is the first time grand theft auto has come to a switch platform since chinatown wars back on the ds so expectations are definitely high for this release and you know la noir on switch wasn't a bad effort it was pretty good from from uh, what i remember i played it I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it i thought it ran pretty well i know that there was a lot of the traffic was, in the game was was reduced and stuff yes. like that the draw distance <laughs> um they they've made some cuts but you could also mm-hmm. say look that was a, quite a while ago now you know so developers have learned a lot yeah. more about the hardware since then well yeah but the grand theft auto i mean even on the playstation 2 the sheer amount of chaos destruction car traffic even you know people walking around and populating the city i'm sure the switch is going to be scaled back versus the big brothers but definitely have to but it's that unreal engine yes switch has native unreal support for unreal engine 4 but as we mentioned it's the actual end product or the end result of ue4 games on switch is very drastic in performance it's either really good or it's really bad yeah and sometimes it's in between and hopefully on you know grand theft auto is really good but we'll find out in just a few more weeks when it releases on the eShop and someone's willing to download and take that gamble i'll I'll be checking it out (laughs) (laughs) go on the australian eShop, get it early And I'd like to thank, once again, Manscaped for sponsoring this episode. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NateTheHate. That's one word, NateTheHate, at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code NateTheHate at Manscaped.com. And remember to say trick-or-treat to your beautiful beautiful new Halloweeny with Manscaped. And we can go into some of the Streamlabs questions for this week. And our first question comes from Chris who donated $5 and writes, do you guys think that Nintendo could eventually drop online from the Nintendo Switch Online name to avoid comparisons with other online gaming services? Example, Switch Cloud for the basic service and expansion pack for the good stuff. What do you think? Um, maybe down the line, but definitely not in the immediate because I don't believe this... Xbox still use the term Xbox Live. I don't they think moved so. away from that. I mean, you can still buy like Xbox Live Gold cards and stuff, but I don't think Xbox Live is is something in their vocabulary anymore. Maybe Nintendo just goes to like Nintendo Switch Network and simplifies it. But for now, Nintendo Switch Online is pretty direct and simple, so they'll probably stick with that for a while. Mm-hmm. Then had a follow-up $5 donation from Chris, who writes, in my opinion, the expansion pack will actually be a way for Nintendo to drive sales of their existing games. If I buy in for N64, then I get free DLC for another game, which I may not own. It makes me want to go out and buy that old game. Drive the attach rate. That's certainly something I'm sure Nintendo weighed when they were you know, gauging interest to bring DLC to the service. So like Animal Crossing with the DLC there, maybe now people say, you know, that that DLC looks cool. I'll go buy Animal Crossing. I get that for free because I have the expansion pack subscription 
And I'm sure that's something Nintendo factored into their decision to do it. And moving forward, we'll likely see them add additional DLC for future games. And, you know, as an example, something like Splatoon 3, you add that DLC, you might get even more interest in that title, or you're going to have people upgrade to the expansion pack who have already subscribed to the base for online play. They buy Splatoon 3 and they say, well, I can buy the DLC for $25 or for five additional dollars. I can get the N64 and Genesis games plus that DLC for free. So those are all things that Nintendo definitely weighed when they were pricing and detailing Nintendo's Switch Online expansion pack for the future. That had a dollar donation from Jackie G, who writes, If Neo, The World Ends With You, had been exclusive to the Nintendo Switch, do you think more people would have given the game a shot or less? I don't think it being multi-platform really would have had any impact on the interest level of that game. It's just a niche game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Then had a dollar donation from Josh P. Wiggs, who writes, As it turns out, the new Peppa Pig game is locked at 1080p, 30 frames per second, and and that's even on the Series X and PlayStation 5. Sure, I can understand the Switch version being capped at 30 FPS, but really, can they even call this a next-gen experience? (laughs) (laughs) Damn Peppa Pig. Yeah, uh, I I would uh, would, would see if they can bring out a patch for you there, because, yeah, we, we we need 60 FPS Peppa Pig. We need 120 FPS Peppa Pig. We need 120, 8K. Yep, yep. Haptics. Gyro, mm-hmm. all of it. That pig better be looking like Babe Pig in the City when I'm through with it. <laughs> None of this 2D animation with no texture. <laughs> and had a $5 donation from Mr. L. Writes, do we know the exact circumstances around the ownership of the original GoldenEye? There never seems to be any concrete proof on who owns what. Nintendo held the license at the time and rare made the game but wouldn't mgm typically retain all control no (laughs) mgm owns the bond license so if you Mm -hmm. want to make a james bond game then you need to talk to mgm and get their approval right so you got to pay mgm a lot of money and say i want to make a bond game so they will give you the rights to make a bond game rare developed goldeneye so microsoft does uh, indeed still have um, a stake in in GoldenEye. But the thing is, people always seem to forget that GoldenEye was developed um, and it was made for the Nintendo 64. Uh And Nintendo has a big say in whether GoldenEye will ever come back in any fashion. They own, you know, the assets... To GoldenEye, the 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 levels, the 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 3D models, the um the music, even right. Sure, that was all done by Rare employees at the time, but all that belongs to Nintendo. So if you're going to make a GoldenEye game, um, Nintendo, you know, has has a say in that as well, a, a very big say in, and it's one of the reasons why the Xbox Live version was was you know, it never came out because Nintendo said no. 
that this is not mm-hmm. something that that we, we we're good with. If you ever want to see that Golden Eye sixty four to come out on any platform in the future, Nintendo has to be part of the conversation. They have to give their approval. So Nintendo owns a part of it. It's a it's a pie with three owners, mm-hmm. and each one has an equal stake. And that's why there's so many you know obstacles to overcome as mvg as details with the ownership of that game and why it is so difficult to bring to a modern platform because you need everyone willing to cooperate and maybe microsoft and nintendo will one day cooperate with each other and make it happen it's unlikely but maybe then had a four dollar and four cent donation from matanume who writes you've mentioned the challenges of backwards compatibility for 4K or for the Switch 4K play older Switch games. While consumers and developers prefer the new model have a Tegra X1 SoC chip, will this really be possible? What about the rumor of NVIDIA stopping production? I believe that rumor said they were stopping production like last January, which did not happen. Yeah, clearly that didn't happen, right? I mean, we can still... I mean, they just made the OLED models... The OLED models, I should say, <laughs> not the OLED models. Um, OLED. So, I mean, yeah, I think the X1s are still being made right now. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put too much stock into that rumor. Yeah, and if Nintendo or NVIDIA want to put an X1 on the new SoC for backwards compatibility, then they will find a way to do it. Yeah. That's entirely, you know, their call. It's definitely not impossible. It could boost pricing slightly, depending on how they go about it. But I mean, that's the challenge for NVIDIA and Nintendo to solve. But there are, as we discussed in a prior video, there are numerous solutions for them to gain backwards compatibility moving forward with a new SoC. Then had a dollar donation from Auric305. He writes, no question for this episode. Just appreciate you guys reading and answering these for your listeners. I learned something interesting every episode. P.S. Metroid Dread was fantastic and has really opened my mind on 2D games. Thank you. Thank you. And Dread is fantastic. Yes. Then had a five dollar donation from Derek Clay. Right. If Metroid Dread performs well, do you think it would incentivize Nintendo to dig up and market more of their dormant IPs? If so. What are some series you'd like to see get reinvigorated? A la the Dread Treatment. Keep up the great content, my dudes. Metroid Prime? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe we'll see Metroid Prime Trilogy and or 4 at some point. I mean, you'll definitely see Metroid Prime 1 remastered in 2022. Um, I mean, dormant IPs for Nintendo. I mean, F-Zero, but that's never coming back. And Dread certainly isn't going to be the reason F-Zero comes back. Um, I think for me, F-Zero is the one that I'd like to see. But yeah, it's hard, it's hard for me to imagine that we'll see that come back in any fashion at this time. Um, I'm trying to think of like a 2D franchise that Nintendo... Like if Donkey Kong Country never made a comeback on the Wii, I'd be saying Donkey Kong Country. Mm-hmm. But it did. Um, yep. What's it? 2d game like in the style of dread that nintendo could bring back from their history i guess they could make a kid icarus that's more aligned with the original games instead of kid icarus uprising despite kid icarus uprising being one of the best games ever made yeah Um, 
Yeah. Ice climbers. They could do ice climbers. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's ice climbers. Yeah. No one actually cares. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. They could do Wario Land. Wario Land's a good one. Though that's great actually games a, on the Game Boy. They were great games, but they were treasure, weren't they? Uh actually, yeah, I think you're right. They were treasure. Yeah, now treasure's the mm-hmm. funk. I'm gonna say Wario Land. Wario Land's a good answer. Um, I'll just say Kid Icarus in a more traditional style. Yeah. They could kind of do a lot with that if they really tried it, because I don't think anyone remembers it was kind of like its own Metroid game. Also doesn't help that Kid Icarus on the NES wasn't that good. True. Come at me. Migrant. <laughs> <laughs> and our final <laughs> I mean Kid Icarus Uprising is a better game, but no one bought it. Our final Streamlabs question of the week comes from Nexus, who donated a dollar and writes, you guys frequently call for Dylan Cuthbert's return, but I don't trust the man responsible for Star Fox Command what? having nine different non-canon endings. Okay. What? We haven't seen the plot move forward ever since, and we've just got an N64 remakes instead, 3D and Zero. Dylan Cuthbert is one of the reasons why Star Fox is incredible. And um, if if mm-hmm. there is ever going to be a new Star Fox game, then he needs to be involved. Agreed. I mean, Star Fox Command did have some interesting endings. But, I mean, Star Fox Command wasn't, wasn't a bad game. I liked Star Fox Command. I, it was I, unique I at the time. It. I enjoyed it. Use the touchscreen kind of cool to draw like your flight plan and stuff. But yeah, I would definitely want Dylan Cuthbert to be involved in the next Star Fox. I think, I mean, I think he would have a really original view of how to take the franchise forward. I mean, Star Fox 2, which Mm -hmm. only saw release in the last few years thanks to the Super NES Classic, a lot of the concepts introduced in Star Fox 2 were used in Star Fox Zero. And I mean, I like Star Fox Zero. I'm like one of few. I like it too. But like, do they remake Star Fox 64 too often? Yes. And I think that's just because they don't really know where to go with the franchise. But I would definitely want Dylan Cuthbert. If I were Nintendo, I would go to him and say, what do you have ideas for the next Star Fox game? And what direction would you like to take it? And if he wants to make it like a No Man's Sky type of game, Mm -hmm. I'd let him do it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even think of like Star Fox Command. It was held back by the DS. Yep. I'd, I'd be good with any any design choices that they had in mind for this. Absolutely. Um, I'd, I'd also like a collection, like a remake. Yes. It'd be kind of cool. I would definitely welcome that. But do you include Star Fox Adventure? Yes. As an Easter egg. <laughs> you do. <laughs> so you get Star Fox, Super NES, Star Fox 64. Yep. Star Fox Assault. Yep. Command. Yep. Zero. And then Adventure as an Easter as egg. As an unlockable. Yeah. That's a hell of a collection. I'm, I'm, I'm on board for that. And that was the final Streamlabs question of the week. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description below. Donate any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. And if you like this episode, be sure to give the video a like. If you didn't give it a dislike, let us know your thoughts on Nintendo 64 
Nintendo Switch Online and include the Genesis in the comment section below and let us know your thoughts on the idea that a more powerful Switch is not needed. And I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Always a pleasure, Knight. Thanks for having me on. Always. And be sure to check MVG's video on Nintendo Switch Online and its bad emulation on his channel, which you can find links in the description below. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.